Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dr. Carol Francis Talk Radio Show. Let's make life happen together with authors, scientists, researchers, both inside the box and outside the box of understanding so that you can live a life full of your success, curiosity, enjoyment, happiness, and richness of life in every respect. Let's go beyond our limits and let's help others go beyond their limits as well. Welcome. So to expand your horizons today, we're going to go even farther into expanding your limits. How about we go into the bizarre? But not so bizarre because you're going to be learning about advanced crystal healing, consciousness development, death and dying. Oh, that's a joyful topic. And with me to share these topics with you as we think about the depths of all of these and more is Mary O'Malley, a science master, master of science and nutrition, She's also a psychic medium, which is very interesting to see the evolution of that take place. And she is a certified hypnotherapist that emphasizes in regression therapy as well as addiction work, et cetera, et cetera. But today we're going to talk about the regression work as well. So grab hold. We are going to be uh, in the midst of you having fun. So if you're exercising, move while you listen. If you're driving your car, keep your eyes on the road, but keep your heart engaged and if you're just sitting still, enjoy. This will be a very inspiring time. Mary, welcome to us, our time. Thank you, Carol. Thank you for having me again. So wonderful. Okay. Um, Mary, we're going to have you start off with talking about how we expand our consciousness. Now, many of us have been spending time meditating and um, um, doing all sorts of different practices, and, and we've mastered those. We know how to do those, and we're, we're well on our way to engaging in a world that is beyond the everyday and the ordinary because we're able to have our consciousness expand both in the here and the now and as we begin to contemplate those things that are not visible to our naked eye. But we see quantum physics. Physicists finding this information and now there's individuals that can actually travel consciously to the elements, the situations, the worlds, the multidimensional aspects of life. What comes to mind as you engage with your guides about advanced forms of of expanding our consciousness as humans and as people that are beyond being human as well. Oddly sad. Um, Well, one thing that was coming up was with the advancement, with the idea of going beyond to receive more information. Once we've conceived of that idea, done a little exploring, the next jump in in awareness is that it isn't really beyond. It's always right there next to us. Uh, The only thing that really goes beyond is um, our perception uh, of what's available, what's possible, what's out there. Once we recognize that as a possibility, it is no longer beyond. It is all right next to us and inside of us at that moment. And my guides are telling me that's where a lot of people get stuck. They're constantly throwing themselves someplace else to have the experience, which is absolutely not necessary. So there's no leaving home, so to speak. You can do it right from the comfort of your living room. (laughs) 
<laughs> like watching TV or, you know, listening to something. So, uh, so that means all the possibilities that you can conceive or that your friends can conceive of or anybody else can conceive of that you become aware of all belong to us, and they're all right there in that moment. And we can experience them instantaneously just by consciously deciding to do that. I think that this is really about you can practice the art of becoming conscious on all sorts of different levels about all sorts of different capacities. But that this is a practice. There's a certain amount of discipline to it that allows people to sit in their living room and then suddenly be able to do an astral projection because they have practiced the process through meditation and through exploration, what it means to go from point A to point B while their body is on a couch or in bed. What do you think the processes are that make it so that, oh, I can do this. Oh, you need me to do a psychic medium reading for you. Okay, no problem here. I engage. You need me to drive a car? Okay, I know how to do that. So what are the processes for people who have meditated and they, are, they do follow spiritual quests and, and such, but what is the process of making those things so second, second nature, like you're saying, you sit in the living room and do it, um, so that they know this is what I can engage in? Here we go. What do your guides say? My guides say... That was a long question. <laughs> I, once again, um, the discipline of learning the steps is based on an older model. It's great to learn that way, to understand the steps. But things have shifted um, as recently as, as January, January 1st. So that would no longer be necessary. In using the steps and learning that process, you are limiting yourself to that one way of experiencing that type of travel. So if you just decide you're going to travel and then allow your higher with to show you how you travel, that could be a completely different experience. It could be much faster. It could be much slower. But it... it there isn't just one way to do these things. And, and yes, before, you know, the certain steps were absolutely necessary, but people practicing today, this year, 2014, may find that their step process is much simpler um, because they don't have a perceived notion of their certain ways to practice and get to that point. So don't be afraid to just decide you want to experience this. You know, put yourself in a safe place. Um, a signal for you to come home, whatever that is that's yours, and then ask your higher guidance how you would experience, uh, whether it's time travel or, you know, going to a different place, uh, whatever that is, Um, which is interesting. You know, it's interesting. It is simply available to us just by deciding you want to experience that. Um, Now, I don't know all the steps to you know, traveling on the astral plane and, and things like that. I've learned a little bit from you, but it isn't something I I would try to do necessarily. Um, Can you give us an example of something that you 
decided you wanted to do and by the mere act of deciding you wanted to do and then engaging it, you know, putting the key in the car and turning the ignition, you actually found your car moving to that function, that skill, that place. So can you give us an example in your life where it was pretty much a matter of, oh, I can do that? Okay. And then you start the journey. Looking from my unique perspective on healing and and, um, went to the Akashic Records and I wanted to know what I had that was unique. And it was shown to me how to do healing through the chakras energetically through using crystals. And it, you know, I talked to other crystal healers and they were, you know, well, I don't know, da 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 da. But I knew instinctively that was the way it needed to be done for me and that was my process. Um, what was that method? That method was using the crystals, a different color of the crystals, to uh, cleanse, heal, and implant, uh, reprogram the chakra to um, help you re- achieve something. So whether it's better health or um, more body movement, whatever it is. But it was simply that the chakras themselves, if you imagine the chakra as a color, say the heart chakra as green, you don't want to be adding in more green. You need to ask that chakra what energy it actually needs. And in my case, it, it responds as a color. So it might need the color red, which would be from the base chakra. Uh, it might need the color purple. You know, from It might need these different perspectives to help it heal. So what we tend to do when we do a, cl- a chakra cleansing is we imagine that chakra, that color, that green, and we we clean the green and we expand the green and we glow the green, but the next step is to ask that green what else it needs to become more intense and more vibrant and to help make the program changes. And it, could, it may need information from uh, the other chakra systems to do that. One way of looking at that is that the chakras are very integrated with one another and therefore they pull from the strength and the system of existing from other chakra systems in the body. So you're no longer looking at each chakra as having its own distinct, non-integrative, non-interactive process. You're saying they're all integrated, and how are they best going to be themselves by way of pulling in the energies or the philosophies or the information from the other chakras? Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I don't have a lot of training in chakra healing, you know, to be honest with you. But this is, this is the way it was presented to me. And so I did that chakra healing on, that way on someone just to see what would happen. And, um, you know, it's been months later and she's calling me for another one. It's really because I didn't know that it, she says, I don't know. I can tell you from that moment something broke open. And I have not done the same since that moment. And, and I want more, you know. So I, I, I just... I'm not, the important thing is not to try to decide what information it needs. It's just to allow it to tell you, I need some red, I need some, or, you know, if you're color-oriented or if you're, you orient in a different, if you orient in sound, you can do it that way. Um, but just to ask, what does this chakra need to heal? What information does it need to create this? And, and then just trust what comes to you. So it could be information, it could be color, it could be vibration, it could be, certain types of energy, it could be a certain type of nutrition. I mean, what... It, it, exactly. It could be all of that. As long as you 
are um, as long as you trust that that's the specific energy that chakra is asking for probably it will ask in a way that you understand. So if I'm working with, with crystals and the crystals are representing the chakra systems, that the colors are going to come to me. But I could also do it working with different spiritual energies. Um, say I lined up, you know, uh, <coughs> I had access, decided to access all these different entities. So the chakra might say, well, I need some Michael, and you know, Archangel Michael energy. I need some Jesus energy. I need some this. I need some that. You could do it from that perspective as long as you honor the way um, the information is, um, the way they're asking for the information. Then you, you completely stay out of the process. You act as a facilitator for the energy, but and you might hold an intention for this person. This person wants to, to heal, to become healthier, but that's as far as it goes. Other than that, you're just a, you're just a wand, a mechanism for facilitating the energy, and and then let it go. You know, like with working with this person, I didn't know what was going to happen. She didn't know what was going to happen, but she's calling back. She she could see that something happened there, and she wants more because something really changed from that moment. Um, it's staying out of the expectation of what's going to happen. You can hold an intention, but stay out of the expectation of what that's going to look like. It's fun. It's really fun, and and <coughs> excuse me, interesting to experience the different energies that come through, whether it comes through as a color or a sound or an entity. Um, it's really pretty fascinating to and to understand that, yeah, the green is green and it holds a certain energy, but it, it's not it's not all by itself. Just like we as human beings. We function, we hold an energy, but for the most part, we still need the input from different people, different energies around us in order to function as a whole. And the chakra system is the same way. So, you know, I want to jump off, leap off of one of the topics uh, which you pointed to, is that we're entering into an era now where, where you're going to be limited by what you think you are limited by. And you're going to be expanded by what you think you can expand into. But you have to conceive what is there beyond your limitations before you can even decide, okay, I'm going to go beyond that limitation. So um, listeners, figure out where your walls are and then make your boundaries expanded. So let's, that's what this program is all about, is trying to get you to think beyond your walls into things where you go, oh, that's ridiculous, or that's crazy, or that's foo-foo, or that's so that you can think beyond your walls. So one of the reasons, one of the, Mary, one of the ways I find people not thinking beyond their walls is their ability to do soul journeys. And you know that I'm um, very big on soul journeys. You can see soul journeys, souljourneytools.com, where I really believe that people have this capacity to take their non-physical being uh, and all that that is, your emotions, your history, your knowledge base, your talents, um, your identity, and more, but we'll leave that and more out. And you can journey anywhere with this. And while there's a way in which you could say, well, that's your imagination, I would say absolutely. And I think you can also say that this is your reality. So there'll be times when you journey with your imagination and you become very involved with your, what you've imagined and there'll be healing information, insights, uh, progressions of your own psyche, your psychological health can be advanced by you journeying with your own imagination. 
that's a psychologist in me. That's the part of me well-trained in union analysis and things of that sort. But in addition, there are times when you travel in your soul and you're way beyond um, the imagination and you are actually moving from one physical location to another or you're actually moving from one dimension to another or you're actually moving into the presence of someone's interior if you're so invited or uh, desired. So that, and, and those are just three. We could travel to the moon without ever leaving our couch. We could travel to, uh, with remote viewing, with uh, astral projection. We can travel to the Akashic Records. We could go to all the different realms and worlds that are in the shamanic tradition or all the realms and realities are now in the mathematic and quantum physics perspective of multi-simultaneous uh, universes uh, or parallel existences taking place. So we have that capacity to travel. But Mary, as you can see, there's no way anybody is going to do any of that unless they can at first say, oh, that must exist. And my ability to travel to that exists as well. And without those two things, you're just going to stay put in your physical body on the couch watching TV. So that's one of my thoughts is that make sure that you move yourself into your imagination and be wild and crazy and bizarre. And know on some level maybe you're even unscientific and crazy. I'll use that word again. And then think about the possibility that you may be onto something and now try to authenticate it and do the experience with as much authentication as you can integrate. And you may not be able to prove it to the scientific community or even to your best friend or your spouse. But you might have some experiences that are amazing just beyond the narrative healing of your imagination into actually seeing and experiencing things that can, where you find yourself helping other people as you travel there. So, for example, one of the key times I traveled astral projectively, I found myself in the middle of a very urgent emergency, and I could see what needed to be done, and I started yelling that the only person who was going to do anything about it was not seen by that person, but within very quickly thereafter, yelling, no, no, do this, do this, you got to come over here, this is it, this is it. After yelling that, they went over there, they repaired it, and the emergency was fixed, and the next day on the radio, it was announced that it had been taken place. So I had actually gone somewhere and participated. So would I have thought and done that? Uh, not me. Maybe others would have. If I hadn't already been in the process of thinking about OBEs and astral projection and remote viewing, I would not have been experimented, experimenting with the possibility, nor would I have been practicing the skills and nor would I have ever done the journey. At least I don't think so. Um, it's like uh, first you have to conceive it's possible, then you have to decide to experiment with it, um, and you have to decide where you're going to go with it. And that's probably what I would say would be the first step. Just going beyond your limits mean exercising um, some right to be bizarre and imaginative and then ponder the reality of it. What would you say about that? simply ask if you're not sure where to start or where to begin or what's available. You can ask your higher self, your higher wisdom, um, what is a, to show you a possibility. Show me a possibility. 
and then just relax into it and, and see what comes and, and go there too, which would be another way of expanding your awareness of what's possible. Um, so if you've been there, done that, or not attracted to some of those things that you just you know talked about, you can simply ask. My guides are always saying, just ask. Just ask. So if it's a very, even if it's a very open-ended, what are the other possibilities for my soul to experience or, you know, my consciousness to experience? Something that I'm totally not aware of. Now, you may have to practice this, you know, get really comfortable with it so that you can just go off on the journey. But that would be a fun thing to do, too, as, as a possibility. So that's just it. The, the, you know, there's no finiteness to the possibilities. Um, nor is there only one way to experience the possibilities. So just ask. My guides always say, just ask, just ask. So little girl said, you know, I think it would be really neat to go into the underground of the secret laboratories in Los Alamos, New Mexico, which is where I was born. I thought that would be so neat to know what's really going on there, what the research is that's taking place. And then I stopped and I said, okay, let's do it. I also said, well, okay, if I can do that, which I did, it was really interesting. I'm still in the process of collecting the data. Sorry, Los Alamos, New Mexico. <laughs> Los Alamos Laboratories, I should say. I said, well, let's go see what's in uh, Area 51. That was fun, too. How about the other side of the moon? Mm, that's intriguing. Um, we are one day as a human species going to travel to Mars. Chances are what would it be like to do that now? So I know that some of this is like, how do you verify it? And I like the idea that we have to say this is all needing to be verified, but this is my experience of it. Um, and I, I can't help but think that H.G. Wells, when he wrote about the submersible suits, you know, the deep sea diving equipment or traveling to the moon and landing there and walking around, I can't help but think that he must have submerged himself into some sort of imaginative process that really did pull into our awareness that we can make that happen. Why not? Um, and that's what we're really suggesting about our spiritual progression. We might be able to make that happen. So here is an energy I believe very deeply associated with the practice of it, and that's love, Mary. Boy, did that get mushy. <laughs> but it just seems to me that uh, upon a lot of meditations recently that it's been brought home loudly and clearly in any number of ways, which I can delineate, but I don't want it this second, because at this second I want to just say the statement that love is a power that is the biggest power in the universe. And while we hear people say that all the time within the spiritual world or in music or in drama or we need to really uh, access and assess how much we really understand that love is the biggest power in all of everything, all of creation. And now suddenly love as the biggest power, the biggest tool, the biggest energy, the biggest resource, the biggest source of magic, the biggest source of change, the biggest source of everything so um, this this is not just being mushy. This is like the the physicist in the Los Alamos laboratory is discovering that we could explode the whole planet if we just split atoms or 
fuse the nucleus of an atom. I mean, this is bigger than that. And we in the spiritual consciousness community need to realize that we can actually harness this entire planet and beyond creating an experience that is going to be a lot more congruent with love than with hate. What are you thinking about on this topic? I think I think it's important to feel what love feels like when it's pure, when it's not unconsciously tempered um, from past experiences. So, I you know I can create from love, but that doesn't mean a little fear is going to come in there. You, you know what I mean? Of is this really going to work? Am I loving enough? <laughs> those questions that we, we ask ourselves, that I ask myself. Um, uh, when we were talking about this earlier and I asked, well, how do you practice that? How do you, how do you experience that? So it, when you're creating from that space of love, you know you're completely in love in that moment. And once again, my guides took me back to the colors. And, and they said, well, create from um, the color pink. Let it saturate your whole being um, of this feeling of what pink love feels like so that you're just experiencing something with no, um, nothing's in the way of that. It's something so brand new. There's no prejudice, you know, already involved, anything to block it. It's just an exercise and experience. The next day, create from the color red as love. What does red feel like in every cell of your body, around your aura, around your being? What does the whole world feel like if it's red love, that energy of red love? The next day, try yellow and then blue and then green and just practice um, creating from all these different energies. So once again, it could be any kind of energy vibration. It could be sound. Um, it, It could be you calling on your angels and experiencing that energy of love. So don't be afraid to practice with it and and feel how love can feel different in in any kind of energy and yet it's all love. So that you so that in experiencing that you you come to realize the simplicity of the experience and the energy of love. That there's no wrong way to love. That you can you can experience love on all these different energies and all these different levels, and it's all pure love. So it's a good way to, at least for me, <laughs> they were telling me, to kind of just practice being completely in love, um, in such a way that the the old energies of doubt and things that have built up over my lifetime um, it, it won't interfere, it won't have a place to interfere because there's no judgment on it. It's just an experience. Well, I'm watching you and listening to you. I'm realizing that um, that there's almost a fear that we will be inadequate as being able to love. So that, well, I'm not up to loving that big. I'm not up to being that magnanimous or that unjudgment, that non-judgmental. I'm not up to feeling it in a pure level, you know. And I'm just wondering if, that is coming from a template where we feel our human limitations where when we transpose ourselves to thinking about love in this powerful way, it has nothing to do with human limitations. Nothing. It's not even relevant to it. 
and it has everything to do with the very core of every cell, every molecule, every atom, every subatomical particle, um, and and all the emotional um, manifestations of love, along with the pragmatic, creative aspects of love. Um, and I'm having a hard time describing this the way I'm experiencing this. Almost like I'm, I just I'm experiencing it as if it is a quantum physics component of everything that is and everything that is not. And that it is if we were to take everything and coalesce it down to the very small matter that we could coalesce it into. We took everything that existed in our universe and all the cosmos that's beyond that. And we took all that material form and squeezed it together, squeezing out all the space, squeezing out all the... We would have a very small object. I've been told the size of a strawberry. So if we took all the space and everything that was in that strawberry that's condensed and now extremely heavy because it's all of mass, and we looked at it from the standpoint of that love is actually all that surrounds. It is the soup. It is the air. It is the water. It's the air we breathe and walk in. It's the water the fish swim in. It is the very essence of everything that is in space, but it's also the essence of everything that is in mass, um, everything that is in thought. It is the vehicle of transmitting all information and ideas. It is the energy, like electricity. It is the source of power and Therefore, now we have to look at love not from my experience of it as a human being where I am limited and I can be very unloving and very unkind, um, but to recognizing that this is actually a source and it is, it is present in everything, whether we see it, harness it, or experience it or not. So to wake up to the presence that there is love everywhere, even in the most evil person, their body is swimming in that love soup. In the most hateful moment, love is surrounding them everywhere, whether or not they seize the opportunity to express it or attempt to try to destroy it. So um, now, if we believe that and we say, okay, we expand mass back to the form as we know it, we now have tons of space, behind all that mess and here we are as human beings and we go wow whether I pay attention to it or not love is enormously hugely humongously present whether I harness it whether I feel it whether I recognize it or not it is there and if I say wow well in this moment I would like to harness the power of love because it exists without me and it exists with me it exists outside of me and it exists in me now whether I'm harnessing it or not is an entirely different thing what do you think I think there's no imperfect way to experience and use and create from love Um, but the love is still is still there so, it, once again, it's separating our human concept of love with the the knowledge that everything is love. God is love. Everything is love. This table, all, all the molecules that hold it together are, are love. So, that, um, that relieves a lot of pressure 
from the human point of view of am I doing this right? Am I doing it perfectly? How can I get to a place of pure love to create to create from? Um, do I need to? Or do I just assume and expect it to be there because I'm choosing to use that form, universal love, the love soup to create from? Is that what you're saying? Well, I think you're just adding to the whole idea of like, you know, so if it's all there and all pervasive, how do I harness it when I know that I'm going to be imperfect about it or I'm going to amalgamate it with other things that are going to contaminate the purity of it? And there are so many other energies that are available. And we could say that all those energies really do spring from the creative source, whatever that is, God, divine, and i.e., therefore, love. So, the, you know, you can talk about power, hunger for money, and the power to dominate, and the ability to kill and murder, um, just torture, traumatize, destroy. This is a really dark energy, attitude, evil stuff. But swimming around those people is love. And whether they're going to grab hold of it or manifest it or pull into it. Once someone once said to me, and I wish I could remember the stories, but I can't, that everybody that does evil still wishes that it could produce love. Whether it's self-love, I have all this power, or I need all this attention and I'm so hungry for love. Um, I can't remember who it was this week even said that the when they did the experiment with the mice that pushed the bar to get heroin or cocaine and that they did it over and over and over and over and over again they, they became completely addicted to their pleasure centers in their brain. Then another scientist came by and said, what if we put those mice in an ideal mice world with other mice, just, you know, the right amount of mice, not overpopulated, right amount of food, lots of fun things to play with, interface with, create a family, whatever. And we also put this space bar available for them to trigger their brain pleasure center. Would they go to that space bar as much, more, or not at all, or something in between? The mice didn't even ever go toward the bar. They were so content in this ideal world they had experienced a sociological milieu where they were experiencing their contentment in the presence of the others and the environment was set up to be very comfortable for them. So it's almost like if you give give a human being the experience of that from the get-go, maybe they won't go to the dark side of whatever they've gone to. So we could argue that, and I know we're talking about good versus evil, but what I'm trying to illustrate is that there, if we think constantly about where the essence of love is and how we can harness that in that moment, we won't feel powerless. And I think that healers, counselors, peacemakers, those of us who love to meditate, conscious builders, we all feel powerless relative to those individuals that harness a lot of evil or they use a lot of power to, to dominate and harm or oppress others. Powerless in their presence because we, we ourselves do not recognize that we're so close to the biggest power that even they long for, and that's the power of love. Now, does that mean that we look at them and we say, well, I love you? Does that mean even though you're going to kill me and my children, I love you? No, I really don't think that's it. I think we're going to harness this power the way a magician would harness a big storm ball. Think of Harry Potter and defeating Voldemort and what he had to harness energy. And if we think of love as energy and as a tool, as a wand, as a sword, 
as something that's very powerful and big, that we're going to have a very different relationship with this energy of love. And we're going to discover that love is, is something much different than just forgiveness or kindness, and those are important. Love is much bigger than those wonderful ecstatic feelings that we get when we're with someone we really love deeply or we have a lot of oxytocin in our brain and we've fallen in love. Love is so much bigger than the self-indulgences of self-love or the narcissism of self-love. It's, it's so much bigger than a moment of pleasure, which is also love that we have got to look at what love is as an essentially the highest power out there and what it means to harness that over the most powerful expression of power, uh, that we will wield a power. And to think about now how safe it will be to wield a power that's all sourced in love because we are afraid to be powerful. We're afraid to be rich. We are afraid to be successful. We are afraid to be bold. But if we know that we are harnessing this energy called love, we're going to feel safer. I'm not saying that we're not going to need self-discrimination you know, and maybe to put ourselves back because we've really gotten out of control. But you know, I don't know that Hitler thought he was loving the human race because he was rejecting the Jewishness in his own blood and his own father and his own upbringing and destroying and, and creating horrible things. So I don't know if he was deluded enough to say, oh, this is all about love for the human race. I'm going to purify the human race. I could think someone could delude themselves into that. So I know that this is kind of risky, but I think that if we are connected to the real actual source of love and its authentic manifestation, we don't need to be afraid. What do you think? <clears throat> I think that is a concept that is freeing in so many ways to not have to be afraid of creating um, from an imperfect energy. As a human being, you know, there's this inbred desire to do things perfectly, whether it's from the way it was raised or whatever, and, and... but at the same time, the thought process, well, it's never really perfect. It could always be more perfect. Not having the stress of that thought process while creating from this space of love, love soup, um, taking away the fear of being too bold, too grand, or too little, and just allowing the love to express itself from that creative process. Is it true? With a concept, I, let's practice, see what happens. Um, it, it's interesting how love would manifest or explain itself, I think. Let's do it. That's fun. Let's start off this program saying that we really think that in the advanced spiritual process of life, um, that people can say, okay, I want to do that, so we can't. I want to ask project, so we can't. I want to talk to Kashuk, Kashuk files, so I can't. I want to talk to my, my dead mother so we can. And he's, th- that, that kind of wish to be able to say, I want to do this. Oh, I can. Let's figure it out. And so to be able to say, if that power of love is really there, and there's lots of other powers as well, but that is the essentially the biggest one of all um, that will have impact on 
all of creation, all, all entities, all forms. Um, and if we can conceive and then say, okay, well then I want to engage that power. Um, where, where does it come from? The thought to the doing. You know, that we've been, we started off by saying, it's just, if you can think it, imagine it, then you can make it. So, so okay, so we'll do it. Should we go on to a different topic? will always be benevolent. What, what is the outcome of that? So that, that's basically what you're saying. It is a safe place to create from, no matter what. Mm. That's all I have to say. <laughs> a pithy question thrown in there to contemplate. All right, uh, new topic. Guys, have one? Or shall I pile it in there? Death and dying. You, Mary, you're a psychic medium. You talk to people's uh, loved ones who have passed over. When my mother passed over, I had amazing quantities, large, large quantities of experiences with her um, that were absolutely irrefutable, which is wonderful that the physical world manifested so much about her, um, things that I cannot dispute, one of which is the following. So I'm driving home from my mom's. She's passed. The body has been taken. And as I'm driving the two hours back to my house, I say to mom, I say, well, mom, now that you're there, what message would you like to give me? Within a matter of a split second, a car pulls in front of me, changing lanes, and a license plate being within just a few feet of my view said, God loves you. Now contemplate that for a moment. Every license plate has to be entirely unique. No one license plate can replicate any other license plate. Secondly, out of all the millions and trillions of cars in California, why at that moment does that one particular car whom I've never seen before pull in front of me at that particular moment with such a clear message? G-O-D, heart, you. I was floored. What do you want to talk about death and dying? I would like to relate an experience I had when my dad passed. Um, I was with my dad and thinking, knowing that it was going to be any time now, and actually saying out loud, Dad, if it's time, it's okay. Everybody's here. You know, everybody's here that needs to be here right now. It's okay for you to go. And assuming that when he took his last breath, I was probably just going to fall apart. And that's not what happened. He took his last breath. And on his way out, he touched my shoulder. I could feel the touch of my shoulder. And the energy that came through me, the feeling, was this sense of being honored. What an honor it was to be at my dad's passing. It was just as grand and glorious as being at the birth of my son, being there. There, is this, there was this, that was the moment when I think I really knew on a very deep level, having the experience of, of being a human being was just part of the journey. And um, I get that a lot when I'm doing readings, when I'm doing mediumship, that sense of honor, that sense of peace, that sense of honor of having past time in the human realm with each other. And I think it's so important. And even when it was a very terrible relationship, 
there is always this sense of honor that I feel through that process of communication. And I think it's important for us to realize that it is an honor to be a human being and have an experience with another human being. It's an honor to be a spiritual being and be part of a spiritual being having a human experience or whatever experience. And and that was the... Uh, it was a feeling that I was not expecting. I was expecting a lot of different feelings, but being honored was not one of them. So you think about that, what an honor it is to have this experience with whatever human being you and whatever experience you're having, that once you leave this body it is, is what pervades. That to me was just incredible, very special. So the research is clear now. We can actually take people, and they have these all set up in different hospitals, one of which is in the University of Arizona, where they're doing a lot of research on death and dying, where they actually have uh, cardiovascular patients who go into a death. Um, They can verify there's death and that there's no brain activity. There's no heart activity, and the person is dead. Um, And that they now have uh, anticipation um, of this, so they can tie the person's brain into, uh, you know, all the appropriate equipment, and then they determine that. And then when that person comes back to us in the same operating room where they're totally wired up now, they interview that person to find out what that person was aware of during that span of time where all the apparatus in the scientific apparatus said that they were clinically dead, medically, physically dead. And so many individuals, 25% of the individuals they have done this with, have been able to talk about the dialogue, the treatment, what was being done, where they went, where other people were in different parts of the hospital or elsewhere. And there has been irrefutable, isn't that nice, that these events are taking place when their body is not functioning and they come back, give the record of it, the doctors can document it, and there's a thrill in the medical community, when they no longer call these uh, near-death experiences, they now have designated this in some medical worlds as afterlife experiences. So uh, afterlife, we now have it documented, and you can embrace it or not. You can determine it or not, but there is something that goes on when a person passes out of their physical form where they still have some presence of what happens. So Mary, when you talk to the dead what is the greatest frustration that they have expressed in their attempts to communicate with their loved ones the greatest frustration You know, I I, I wish I could say that there is a huge sense of frustration, and there is not always. It's not actually something that's been said. Uh, On occasion, I'll have somebody say, I've been sending signs, Uh, you know, let her know that if she um, feels a touch on the shoulder or her hair moving, that that it's me. Um, They seem to be very patient from that space. And now... Unfortunately, there are those who maybe were extremely controlling in life 
And their essence that stays with the person tends to be that same energy. So I'll usually work with the living person to try to dissipate the hold of that, Um, letting that person go, whatever. So I think, you know, the spirit moves on, but we can hold the essence of a person to us Um, and, and continue to have that experience. So there might be some frustration in that. But um, not necessarily because they're still free to evolve. Um, That's interesting because I've had those that sometimes they don't understand that they're free to evolve. They need to be let go by that person. Sometimes we're asking um, Aunt Jane for financial advice, but Aunt Jane wasn't good at finances <laughs> in her human body and is not really going to be good at it in her, her uh, ethereal body either. Okay? There's specific energies that are good with that, and, and you would call in that energy instead of Aunt Jane. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting that they'll present to us uh, with a lot of their uh, human traits uh, intact um, so I think it, it it's really your perspective on on, but I honestly don't ever really get a lot of frustration from an entity that from a person that's moved on, um, especially not in that sense of you know just they won't listen they won't listen uh, it's not it's just not something I run into to be honest with you. Sorry, I'm in contrast at peace or patient or accepting or um, released from space and time angst or space and time consciousness. They're there. They're available. They love it when we connect with them. Um, But it isn't necessary on, on any level. So if somebody passes on and you choose to not have any communication with that person, there's no expectation of it either way. Um, there's there's patience. There's you know they go on. They have other jobs to do too. They they, they move through their their paces. They go on and they create in different spaces and different things and make different connections and have different experiences. They're available if we call them into us. Um, and anytime they call, we call them to us. But it doesn't mean they're not having their own experience. And if we never call them to us, that's absolutely okay too. There's simply no judgment in that. I've never had that experience of judgment about communication in any way, shape, or form. In years, all these years I've been doing this. <laughs> so I know that um, you know I've been doing astral projection and Akashic records and uh, remote viewing soul journeys. And when my mother passed, I stopped and I thought, Huh. I wonder if I can go journey to where she's at. And it was a series of the most wonderful, I don't know if you would call them journeys or meditations or imagination, I'll let you choose. For me, I will choose that they were journeys. And um, I journeyed to where my mother in, uh, was. And the experiences were startling confusing, amazing, expanding. And I think I would encourage everybody to try to do that. So there's that. If I'm going to teach you how to do out-of-body experiences and natural projection, if she exists on another plane 
or another domain called heaven by some, um, why can't I go visit her? And we have had this prohibition in our philosophy that when we're alive, we can't visit heaven um, other than if we have a near-death experience or active life experience. Um, and I'm sure to say, uh, I, I think that that's not true. And once again, as soon as I said, well, why can't I just go visit her? I actually could. Now, one of the things that I found out that I thought was very interesting, I wanted to see if you had seen this before, is that uh, I was invited to watch her transition from one spot, her pacings to the other. And I discovered that there were 41 different versions of my mother. Weird that I had that number, 41. And uh, in the context of that, I was shown some of the virgins, about five of them, the versions were attached to different aspects of who she was. Um, and one of the aspects was specifically my version of my mom. Now, what I mean by that is my mom's manifestation of herself as my mother. And so all that coalesced inside of her toward me was in version number 90, 39. All that coalesced or went to my sister was 38. My father had number 37. And it was such an odd um, consciousness that my mother was this incredibly diverse person with all of these different investments or vestitures of who she was and at the same time made me uh, really contemplate, are we really one soul or are we so many, even though we coalesce in one body, even though we coalesce in one existence, um, so that when we die, you know, we could, what part of a, of a dying relative are we really connecting to? So I wanted to pass that by you and see what you thought from all of your mediumship reading. Well, it totally makes sense to me. And, and even it, it, it does. Um, and I can just to simplify that. When my dad passed and we had his wake, so many of his friends showed up, and all the way back from school friends that he went to school with, army buddies, uh, people he had flown with because he was a pilot, and each and every one of these people came up and told me a story about my dad. And what I realized that the experience of Mary with her dad, Buzz was one experience, but all of these people had had a completely different experience of Buzz, of my dad. And I was, with each story, I got to know him, a different side of him. It was just the most wonderful experience. So what you're saying is your mom has been actually a, a, a split entity depending on the experience, she, each of the experiences she was having is my experience of my mom or my dad or my brother is my experience and their experience of me would be the same. But with other people, we have different experiences. They're going to get to know us from a different point of view. Okay, so now, and, and journeying to her since that time, and then also now taking advantage of journeying to my dad, um, I, you know, people will say, well, it's nice to know your mom is with your dad. And that is a nice thought. But what was startling to me is that a part of her was with my dad but a part of her was with a part of my dad. And that the other aspects of my dad were in so many different interesting domains. And I thought to myself, so we are with each other, but we are also so many other places as well. So then now I had to draw this down to 
what is the reality of this on this planet? Do we again limit ourselves to being present in one place? Or are we in many places at one time? Well, okay, now I'm getting a little ethereal. So we go back to the dead and we go back to pondering that whatever their identity is as the unit that we knew them as, it may not be the same coalescence or or combination. Um, They were very diverse and multifaceted. And for them to be restricted to be that still and forever is probably more out of my missing them. And so I had to go through a celebration of who they still were that I connect to and a recognition that there's so much beyond what I ever knew and what I'll ever know, and that that's a beautiful expansion of their soul journeys. What do you think? I think that's beautiful. I think that's beautiful. I'm also being told it's okay if you don't want to go visit your your someone in their plane. It, you're just, you know, it's fascinating that you choose to have that experience. Um, but that means that it, it, it's the same for all of us. All of us are that expanded. All of us are having multiple experiences of ourselves. And um, and we do that through other people, different experiences that we have. So... It really pulls us out of, you know, we're having an experience in this body. And and I've done hypnosis and other meditations where I'm actually in other bodies on the planet Earth. I think you were with me in one of them. Um, I had an experience with a a uh, post-life progression as opposed to a regression where under hypnosis we all went to the year 3000 and we're instructed to, you know, look at the Earth, what's going on with the Earth. Well, two of us experienced having to travel back to the Earth to actually take a look at it. We were in a whole other universe. Um, and we didn't know each other before this, yet we had the same experience of, of traveling back. So who, who's to say that this is the only experience we're having? Mary's sitting here, Carol's sitting here. We may be having other experiences at the same time that could be influencing who we are today. Complex and diverse. Mary, what would you like to end with on this one show of many? Well, I'm going to go swim in love soup today and practice swimming in love soup. So I hope I'll be uh, seeing you all there. Uh, Just have fun. Explore. Have fun and explore. Use the love soup to make your life nice. <laughs> Any way you like it. And outside the box, we certainly have tried to do that with you today, even though you think it's crazy or unrealistic or unscientific. But the truth is, is that everything that we know about technology today was completely quackery in anybody's imagination just a hundred years ago. So think outside the box. Experience outside the box. Keep yourself grounded on the planet because you have to survive. And you have many people that probably need you to be functional. But don't let that stop you to move into the beyond. There's so much to explore. Have a good day. Take good care.